I think one of the guys that is is the most pleasant surprise is Josh Dobbs. Uh, he's come out. He showed up a little bit. We've also seen David Bell flash a little bit uh, coming off the injury. Defensive tackles are still a concern. And on top of that, Jimmy G is still a storyline in the background. We'll discuss that with John Costco of Pro Football Focus coming up on the next Locked On Browns podcast. You are Locked On Browns. Your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB, on the LOB, the Lockdown Browns podcast, brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Garrett Bush, Jeff Lloyd, your hosts of Lockdown Browns. We appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen every single day, whether it is on your favorite podcast platform, of course, now on YouTube. The growth over there just continues. Um, we appreciate everybody being alone for the ride here as we take this show to the next evolution. As Garrett said, John Costco, PFF in the house. We're going to go on the lens here from the Browns. Week two preseason game, 21-20 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, certainly some good to take away from that that we are going to get to. Um, and then we'll get to the defensive side of the ball as well as the offensive side of the ball. A couple of questions for John here in segment three before we let him out of here. Um, but, John, it, it wouldn't be fair to start this episode without, you know, talking about Josh Dobbs. And look, he really has not faced, you know, basically truly NFL competition to this point yet. But I think one thing you're seeing here with Dobbs, and this is certainly, I mean, look, other teams have gone down this road. This is certainly something Browns fans we haven't seen, you know, in certainly since I've been covering this team, it's certainly a lot longer. It is a team that's got the, as a guy at the quarterback position, who's got the calling card of, hey, if nothing else is there, guess what? I've got legs. I can use them. Um, and with a backup quarterback, look, you understand there's going to be deficiency in his game as far as a passer. Um, so having that ability and being able to make plays that way. But, you know, to put together two nice outings like Dobbs did. And, you know, I, for one, thought, you know, when he was first brought here, oh, great, this is a buddy signing. You know, they both, you know, he, Deshaun Watson, both have the same quarterback coach. You know, was this similar to, you know, uh, you know, Case Keenum being in here or something like that. Just somebody to be you know, an, another voice, you know, a, another person to bounce thing off, uh, bounce things off of for the starting cornerback. But for now, Josh Dobbs, I mean, he's done everything that is asked of them. And I certainly feel, you know, I, I'm not ready. You know, I don't want to hand the ball to him for 10 games. God forbid something happened to Jacoby Brissett. But we're getting closer and closer to the point where I, I feel less apprehensive about the fact that Josh Dobbs was ever going to have to take a rep for this team. Yeah, I mean, he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers four years, and and obviously you get really well coached when you're there. Uh, he got to sit behind, obviously the you know future Hall of Famer and Ben Roethlisberger to kind of learn as a as a you know a backup quarterback in this league. And I think what you've seen from him, we know we know he's a smart guy and how he can apply that to the field. He's you know, running this Cleveland Browns offense efficiently during the two preseason games, obviously against preseason defenses. Um, but you're talking about a, you know, an offensive grade so far through two games of 87.3. He's really doing everything that you want him to do. He's got a couple of big time throws. Um, when things break down, he can use his athletic ability to scramble um, and, and look good doing that. So really, I mean, he's kind of giving you what you you're hoped for in a, in your backup quarterback that, if thing, you know, push comes to shove, you can put him out there and, and not be at a, at a 
big detriment. You're going to obviously be at a, at a, at a loss when you're putting in a backup quarterback over a starter, um, especially a guy that, you know, when all and is all said, he's your third string quarterback, but he's a guy that's going to be able to at least efficiently run your offense um, and just execute the ex- execute it as you call it. Sometimes people look at it as a detriment, and I understand that you want your quarterback to be able to stand in the pocket um, and throw the football uh, when the pressure is on. But one thing that you have to look at, and, and if it's a quarterback that's a, a backup quarterback, if he's not going to be able to throw the ball as proficient as your starter, well, at least I, I want him to have something else he can hang his hat on if the play does break down. So for me, I've always said that I would like a backup quarterback uh, if he's going to be my backup. I understand that he's going to have some limitations throwing the football, but I also want some stuff that I can call that can give me a two-way go, so to speak, in terms of his legs and moving around and and making some first downs. And I think he did a good job of that uh, against the Eagles and uh, has done a good job throwing the football as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you, you hit it right on the head with a guy that's a backup. He's not going to be as good at throwing the football. So he needs to have another thing to rely on and, and teams, you know, you, you look at the position as a whole for the quarterback, uh, you know, the quarterback position for the Cleveland Browns. They wanted to get more athletic there. They, that was pretty clear from from this offseason. They obviously Deshaun Watson is a much more athletic quarterback than Baker Mayfield. There's been a lot of talk, John, and deservedly so here about, you know, basically the way this wide receiver room is going to break, shake, break and shake down. It, it, the, the talk is not stopping. Everybody, veteran wide receiver, veteran wide receiver, veteran wide receiver, veteran wide receiver. It doesn't end. Um, and look, it's got to be tough enough for these kids to understand that basically they're maybe be, being given a role that they're not ready for. Um, so it's tough enough to you know go down that road and then kind of struggle a little bit. Bell, there was time missed. Anthony, you know, doing everything right, but the easiest part, which should be catching the ball. Michael Hartley getting an opportunity, making a couple of plays here. The, the growth of these guys, and it's paramount. And I'm assuming every one of those three is going to be in line for big big playing time in this final preseason game because the Browns are going to have to look at that Labor Day weekend and there's going to be a lot of names that you know could be available to come in here and help out this wide receiver core and these guys got to do everything they can to basically you know fight obviously when cut down time comes and there's going to be players a lot of quality players available it's going to be interesting to see what the Browns do if they they add to the room obviously losing a Jacqueline Grant is a is a big loss for you know from the diversity that they wanted to the you know have in that that receiving room but i think with with bell you know he's a guy that doesn't we know that from a from a tape standpoint and you know obviously the combine he doesn't have the juice the explosion that you'd you know want out of a you know modern day wide receiver but he's you know a reliable route runner you know where he's going to be he can find the soft zones and generally has good hands even though he did drop a ball on um on sunday but i think with with bell he's a guy that can can be there and you know, start day one and be a, a quality receiver. The, the Browns have a, an interesting situation in that wide receiver room. I think they want these guys to get a lot of playing time in preseason and, and in camp and not have another, maybe a better wide receiver take a, away reps. And that's probably why what they're doing, what they're doing. And maybe it, when can, uh, cut down come times, maybe they, they add another guy. But I think these they want these guys to get as many reps as possible to see if they can develop and, and somebody, you know, show up and say, hey, I, I this is my role and I'm I'm – taking it yeah i think i think the receiver position is going to be the talk of the town between between that and the defensive tackle for the rest of the year um until somebody um donovan people jones schwartz bell somebody has a big game and and they do it put it back to back they need a couple games in a row for people to stop kind of talking about it 
Um, I just think that, you know, when you're doing roster building, you know, we talked about this before, you can't have an all-star or, or a perennial pro bowler in every position. That's just not the way the game is set up. So I think that the, the Browns are content going into the season, knowing that the wide receivers and defensive tackles may be uh, something to left to be desired. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't think it's a smart decision to be kind of like left to desired, you know, I think uh, obviously Omari Cooper is a, an excellent wide receiver and so you got a, a really good number one but I, you you do definitely want a more just a better overall group uh i think you, you you've got to expect more from those guys and especially if you're going to be out in 11 personnel more often now with you know the system that you're going to be running over the past couple of seasons you you need guys that can get open and be explosive in that game because just look at you know, down south in Cincinnati, that that offense is going to be lighting up the scoreboard every single week. Joe Burrow is going to be slinging it to some to some studs on the outside and on the inside, and they got they got a really talented offense. So you've got to be able to hang with those types of guys, and the, the way to do it is to to counteract that with also a really quality roster. Of, uh, you know, at the wide receiver position, and the Browns have a really good was- roster, and the, the weakness that they have is their wide receiver room uh depth you know because after amari cooper i mean it's a it's a lot of question marks and you need these guys to step up and they have shown ability but they need to be able to show it consistently week in week out biggest issue there obviously is whatever we think amari cooper can be this year um these are guys who are going to get the targets early um you know I, what defensive coordinator in the world right now is going to say all right well we'll just go one-on-one with amari cooper when Donovan Peoples-Jones is out there, David Bell is out there, Anthony Schwartz is out there, these guys are going to get their opportunities because you'd be a fool if you're Carolina to not, you know, make sure that you are, you know, doing everything you can to shut down Amari Cooper week one. Uh, big congratulations, uh, congratulations, Browns rookie defensive and Isaiah Thomas on the birth of his young daughter. We're going to get back here. We're going to flip it up to the defensive side of the ball here. John Costco joining Garrett Bush and Jeff Lloyd on your latest Locked on Browns. If you haven't tried built bar puffs yet you were depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys and guess what there's a new flavor ready delicious indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate that's right built has done it again let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks and of course they are covered in 100 real chocolate all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to built.com, snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them all for yourself. What's great about built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something good and is good for you. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a built bar. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKEDON15. Welcome back to the Locked On Browns podcast. G. Bush in the building, Jeff in the building. And we got a good guest on the online, a perennial guest here over the Locked On Browns podcast, John Costco of PFF. Uh, first segment, we really, really talked about uh, some of the offensive weapons that we saw. Had an opportunity to play David Bell amongst those guys. Uh, Anthony Schwartz and of course uh, Josh Dobbs uh, we're going to pivot a little bit to the defensive side of the, of, of the room and we'll start with this uh, John we mentioned the receivers defense uh, you know we got a couple guys we were spot shadowing 
Uh, Perry on Winfrey was one of them. I think he had a 49% um, percent grade uh, in, the, in the game against the, uh, the, uh, worst, against the Eagles, right? 45.7. Okay, <laughs> who, you know, round who's, up. Who's keeping track, right? Yeah, you know, who's saying, you know? So he had a low F. Like, that means, like, if he had a test, he had to get 100% just to get a C. So that just put the, the perspective on, on how bad that was. Uh, when you look at this defensive line, obviously um, the strength is the defensive ends. Weakness is D tackles. Has anybody jumped out to you and said, "Hey, I deserve to start for the Cleveland Browns at defensive tackle"? No, <laughs> this flat out no. The the highest graded defensive tackle in this game was uh, Glenn Logan, fifty two point three. Um, that just tells you everything you need to know about that position right there. Well, uh, he's Tommy the Cook. A of the room for the week, John. There's that yeah. at least. Yeah, there's that, I suppose. So, like, you got Tommy Togia, who was right behind that 47.7. And like we said, Perrion Winfrey was a 45.7. I get it from a rookie standpoint. Like, you're trying to figure things out. He's a, he's not a, a bigger dude. But, like, there's a reason why he went in, you know, the fourth round on day three. Um, there's, a you know, these they're not investing high draft picks, a lot of money at that position. They're basically hoping that they can get these guys in the mid rounds and they can be like average type of defensive tackles because really like an average defensive tackle is all, all that you need. The difference between an average one and, you know, a top tier one doesn't really add too many wins, but for them, they got, their guys aren't, aren't performing. You know, I think, you know, you, you go back to, to last week, they, they also didn't play very well. Um, you know, Taven Bryan it played defensive tackle for them last week and, and was an at, at, showed up in that, at an average level, which is kind of what they're looking for. Um, but you look at the rest of the guys and, you know, Glenn Logan was a 55.8. Tommy Togia was a 53.9. So these, they're not playing well. Jordan Elliott didn't play in this game. You would have hoped to see him um, after a 45.3 last week. So I think it's an issue for sure that they have where these defensive tackles need to be a lot better. Um, and, you know, again, they're, are they going to make a move at the end of uh, this preseason? Maybe we'll see, because I think you, you know, how can you rely on these guys? If in preseason, they're really struggling. Sometimes you can say, Hey, there's hope because they're playing well in the preseason, but then these guys aren't playing well at all in the preseason. So they're going up against lesser offensive tackles and offensive guards and, and, you know, and centers. Now they're going to go up against the starting guys and, those guys are much better, much more, more well coached, uh, you know, experienced and stuff like that. And they're going to get even more mauled. So I think it's a it's an issue for sure. If you're talking average, we're about 15 to 20 points away per grade from being average. So that appears to be, of course, the issue right there. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Alex Wright. Uh, week one definitely looked like, you know, a rookie out there. I think this week against the Eagles played with a little bit more discipline, um, got more playing time early with Isaiah Thomas being out with a broken hand. It appears Isaiah Thomas is going to come back to practice this week with a cast on the hand. Um, but, you know, for Alex, right. And, and when this draft class had folded and was done, I said that maybe immediately there could be the path for Isaiah Thomas to have more playing time earlier than Alex Wright, because there was going to be a little bit of a learning curve with Alex Wright. Um, you know, some more technique work was going to need to be done um, at UAB. He basically did on the defensive line, whatever they asked him to do. So they moved him around. He wasn't truly just a functional DN for his time down at UAB. Um, but I think showed a little more discipline in run support. Um, and it's going to be interesting, John, because uh, this defensive end room is pretty deep. Um, as we talk about the defensive tackle room, where there's certainly it doesn't appear there's enough, 
this defensive end room is going to be interesting because there's, you know, some guys here, if they do get cut, they will immediately be picked up by other teams. Um, but maybe talk about maybe the growth here of Alex Wright and, you know, maybe how important week three will be for a player like that. Yeah, he definitely needs to show up and he's not, he's going to make the roster for them because you don't invest a, you know, a third, third round pick on a guy and, and generally cut him uh, in their first preseason. But he, I think he showed well in this game, right? Like you talked about the better run di- discipline, um, you know, from this game, he was a 69.1, which I know sounds not great, but that's getting closer to average. And our scale is not a, not a pure zero to 100 where you have to get in the nineties to get like the, the A grade or a good grade. A good grade is, you know, generally in the eighties and the average is in the seventies. So like he's barely a below average, you know, game and that he had from him. Uh, he had a couple wins as a pass rusher, but he had two stops, uh, in the run game. Um, and, and like you said, I, I think he, he played a better game, um, you know, kept his feet a little bit more. He had, you know, he's a guy that they're going to want to use on stunts because that's what he was really effective at, at UAB. Um, and in game one, I think he was maybe caught off guard by maybe some of the speed and, and the strength of NFL offensive linemen um, showed better in this game. So I think he was just more prepared mentally to, to handle that. And, and it kind of showed. So I think good progress from from week one to week two that's kind of what you want to see from from these defensive these, these young defensive linemen uh for the browns unlike the defensive tackles he you know alex wright kind of you know showed up and uh and just played better yeah he i, th- I thought he played with a little better um pad level a little better of uh you know attention to detail and, and like you said i i think overall for the defensive line i think it's going to be something where you know, Joe Woods is going to have to, you know, do certain things, right? There's there's more than one way you can skin a cat. Sometimes you can do it with just lining up because I'm better than you. Sometimes you can do it with, you know, using it down and distance against the offense. And sometimes you have to manufacture some um, pressure or manufacture something to be able to stop the run. So I, I think that the defensive line, um, once Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney come back, it's, it's a it's a tremendous upgrade because then you have two guys, especially Jadavian Clowney, who are really good against the run. So I think that'll help you out a little bit. So for the D tackles, um, it's just like, please don't get blown off the ball. Just don't get knocked into the linebackers and the defensive ends. Um, you know, hopefully uh, they can continue to in spot shadow here or there um, with guys like Wright and Chase Winovich and those guys as well. Do you see any surprising cuts at the defensive end position, uh, John? Um, so generally they're going to keep, obviously you're going to keep Miles, Clowney, Winovich, uh, right. Um, they, they probably will like, like Isaiah Thomas, unless he, you know, his, his hand injuries has uh lasting effects and they might put him on the injured reserve for the year or something like that. So they can stash him on that. But, um, I think I, I don't, I, Steven Weatherly probably is a guy that's not going to make the team. I would say. Um, would be the my first thought, and I think you know Curtis Weaver might be a guy that might be on the outside looking in as well. Um, the dream is dead with Curtis Weaver, John. The dream is dead. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know he this game he had a fifty nine grade, um, did have a sack, but um, I think what you're you need from him is just more consistency that you you you'd like. I think from a you know, he was a PFF darling. He graded well at Boise State. I didn't really like his tape. I thought that he, you know, from a bot, he needed to like kind of have a recomp in his body style. Yeah, um, for sure, because he needed just to, you know, you, when you when he won, 
He's obviously going in at BSU. You're going up against lesser competition there than in Power Five. But I think like uh, for him, there's when you when you grade that well in college, there's there's hope if you can you know maybe that can translate after a couple of seasons um, as long as you're able to put the work in and uh, you know maybe refine technique, get more explosive or something like that. But for him, I don't think he's just, it was ever in the cards for him based on just his athletic ability um, because I think he was just too slow of a of a player and that didn't have the, the enough fast switch muscle fibers to, to really get it going at the NFL level uh, on a consistent basis. But yeah, that the dream's dead. <laughs> John Richard, the count, in my opinion, look really active uh, Sunday and, you know, year two. And, you know, there was obviously everybody knows how his Georgia career ended when there were times last year, you know, where the Browns had questions about, you know, maturity, you know, commitment, um, and probably which led to bringing Ronnie Harrison back. You know, I mean, basically he had two players and said, look, you know, you're both here. One is going to play specials. One is going to get to be a third safety. You two are basically going to ultimately decide who's going to do that. But for LeCount, I thought it was, you know, I mean, you know, yes, he was a fifth round pick, but, you know, he came from Georgia with a pretty good pedigree, pretty good background as far as being a playmaker. And I think, you know, of the players the Browns put out there Sunday, he was the one kind of, you know, look the like maybe he was the guy out there with guys that maybe he shouldn't necessarily have been playing with. Yeah. So for him, he missed three tackles um, in this game. So his grade isn't going to ref- maybe kind of reflect how active he was for sure. Uh, he was constantly around the ball. That's re- He had six tackles, two assists, um, but then he also had the three missed tackles. So you're talking about, um, and he was also targeted twice in the game. So he was, he was constantly around the ball in this game on 52 snaps. His overall grade was a 57.9. When you miss three tackles, it kind of is going to tank your grade a bit and for a one-game sample. So I think the the encouraging thing is that he was around the ball a lot and being active and uh, sticking his nose in there. So for you know from uh, uh, you know from a projection standpoint, I don't I don't see missed tackles as a uh, an issue for him. Like he's not gonna, you're not gonna miss three tackles every game. That's just not gonna happen. He might have some issues, you know, where where games pop up where it's like he's he's missing, uh, you know, tackles against maybe more athletic, quicker quicker type guys. Uh, but for him, uh, and for the Browns at that safe position, they need a, a third safety to really step up. I, you know, obviously Delpit and and John Johnson, they're gonna be your your guys. But there's a reason why Ronnie Harrison was on the market for a while and then came back um, was because we know what the issues are, are for Ronnie Harrison. He does, he has some mental lapses in games. Um, he's not the most athletic kind of a guy, but if he's on, he can be really good. Um, and I think they're, they're hoping for, you know, LeCount to, to kind of maybe supplant him and, and be that third safety for, for the Browns, because I think for, for Harrison, he, you know, if you have mental lapses in games that can lose you games and you talk about losing games, you know, he, you could arguably, arguably say that he, he lost in the game, uh for against the chargers he had a couple of a big busts in that game early in the season there there were some busts that the browns had um and he was at the center of them so i think um you know with lecount it was encouraging to see that he was he was that active and you know second leading tackler for the game uh for the browns behind uh jordan uh kunazik i can't pronounce his name the middle linebacker who, who's probably not going to make the roster for them so um yeah i think for him it's a it was a encouraging game D. Anthony Bell, you think uh, he's uh, he's now on the outside looking in in terms of of uh, making his roster? I, I think he probably was all along. Um, you know, you're talking about an undrafted free agent from West Florida. Um, you know, and most people won't even know what their their uh, you know, mascot are. You know, they're, they're, they're the Argonauts. So 
I think with, of course, <laughs> of course everybody knows that, right? I guess. Big Argo well, fan. Well, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think he's probably on the outside looking in. That might be, you know, that might be a surprise roster make. You know, I think he's, you know, through two games in the preseason. And, you know, one thing that we don't see it, you know, from, from the outside uh, looking in, um, how they do weekend, you know, day in, day out in practice and what, how, what they're being able to pick up in practice. And, you know, the, the opportunities you get in a game are, are very few, um, especially at the safety position where you might never get targeted in that game. So you, your, your grade is kind of reliant on maybe a few plays uh, overall grade is reliant on a few plays. So I think with, um, with, with the Anthony Bell, you know, I think he, he shows good ability out there. He's got good size. Um, but I think he's probably on the outside looking in. Well, the other thing with Bell is if you're going to come into a camp as a 24, 25 year old rookie, you better look like you know what you're doing. And at least for you know DeAnthony Bell, that looks to be be the case. You know, he doesn't look like a 21 year old where he has no idea what's going on. Um, we'll see if it works out for him. Um, but you know, for again, and now this is weird to say because you know years ago these types of players would get cut and would come to Cleveland. Um, but now Cleveland's in the position where they're going to cut these players, and most likely they're going to be able to find a home somewhere else. Garrett Bush, Jeff Lloyd with John Costco. We're going to get to a little bit more here. A couple questions for uh, for John before we let him go. Appreciate everybody makes Locked On Browns. Their first listen every day, whether it's on your favorite podcast platform or, of course, now on YouTube. Back at it on Locked on Browns podcast. Make sure you hit that like, that subscribe button. Make sure you hit the notification bell so you get all of the Locked on Browns podcast and continue to support on a podcast platform. Wherever you get your podcast, you can download it. And thanks for making Locked on Browns your first listen of the day. Uh, John, uh, we, you know, we kind of wrap this thing up, give you a couple questions on the way out of here. Um, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, Cade York, you know, a lot. I don't know. Kickers are the, the, the dime a dozen now. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think uh, Cade York can become um, kind of like, you know, in the mix? Because one of the things that we look at at AFC North is uh, we got kickers galore. They don't be missing. McPherson, obviously, you got with the goats to to meet myself down there in Baltimore. Uh, what what do you think about Kate York and his game? Um, fifty one make, fifty five miss. Um, I mean, fifty five miss is kind of like you're not almost not expected to make that. Um, and then if you do, it's it's a big time bonus for the for the for the offense, obviously. So I think with York, we we know he has a big leg, and it, it's a matter of can he hit those in the clutch type situations and, you know, generally make most of your kicks. Um, I, and I think as a, you know, as a rookie, we'll, let's, you know, we'll see. Um, and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an expert on uh, evaluating kickers by any means. Uh, essentially just make your kicks and you're good to go. Right. But I think uh, there was a quote that he said that he's, he doesn't really have a base, a base kicking swing or something like that, which, to me is a little concerning because like if you think about like a like a golf swinger he he has a base swing that he a repeatable swing that he uses every time and then if he has to very you know uh off that he's he's gonna gonna do that based on the conditions or something like that and if york said he's like ah, i'm just a field kicker so like you know whatever feels good i'm gonna do it in a moment or something like that i think that can get you in trouble i think if you look at justin tucker he's like he probably has this, the same repeatable swing every single time and it he knows exactly what his ball is going to do every single time. So I guess from a, does he have a base swing type thing? What his, his quote is, that's a, a little concerning to me, I'd say. Interesting. It's certainly interesting. Um, John, you know, I got to stop tweeting sometimes at night. But last night, um, this talk about the Browns moving on from Kareem Hunt. 
you're without your top quarterback and who we feel is a top five, top seven quarterback in the NFL for the first 11 games of the season. You know, whether you want to get into whether or not Kareem Hunt is your number two or your number three playmaker, we're not going to get into that. But moving on from Kareem Hunt, when you were already had going to deal with such a significant loss on the offensive side of the ball here, explain to me how could that could even become close to being a smart idea. Yes, Jerome Ford has looked good. But the whole intention of Jerome Ford was, we like him. We're going to get him now. Ideally, we really aren't going to use him much till 2023. How do you move on from somebody who is such a solid dual threat running back and you desperately need, like, what is the rationale that could make any sense there to move on from him now other than maybe just appeasing him? It um, would be the cap savings of $6 million because I don't think he's owed, if you cut him or even even if you just cut him, I don't think he's owed anything. And you can trade him and obviously you don't owe him anything. So that would be the... But he's going to earn his six mil. It's not like he's not going to earn the six mil. So, like, that's the that would say that's the biggest reason, right? Is to save the six million to be able to roll it over, and maybe you're you're using that six million to to sign another, you know, a veteran wide receiver or something like that. That would be the reason to to do anything like that, where you're you're if you're losing him, you're replacing him with a a guy at the wide receiver position or a guy at defensive tackle that's going to help your team in some sort of way because kareem hunt i would say is arguably the their their best running back arguably then i think everybody loves nick chubb and he's a great running back in his own right but he's limited when it comes to receiving game kareem hunt can do it all for you so i think we saw you know the the how effective this team can be when both those guys are are healthy and on the not just they don't generally be on the field together but they're able to spell each other and how effective the team is with each other. So they, um, I get it from a running, you know, from a running back position. Like I'm not a guy that likes to pay running backs a lot of money because they don't move the needle as much as receivers and obviously uh, quarterbacks and, and even tight ends. But I think the, he's a dynamic player. That's probably the best in that room. And uh, isn't it, you know, you're, you're, you probably drafted Jerome Ford to replace him eventually but you probably don't want to do it just so quickly because I think what you saw at Jerome Ford this, this weekend is that, um, you know, he showed some rookie mistakes, especially one in pass protection. A guy like Kareem Hunt's not going to make those types of mental mistakes in pass protection. Jerome Ford needs to kind of figure that out. And I, you know, it's hard for rookies to do that, especially at that position. Um, just want to thank John for coming on in here today. Um, we got to the offensive side of the ball here. Josh Dobbs starting to look more and more like the part here and most likely going to be the number two here for the first 11 games of the season development, Alex Wright, some other players on the defensive line, and question we've all had since, you know, free agency started the defensive tackle position, it still exists, folks. Um, then, of course, you know, Kareem Hunt's future with this team. Garrett Bush hosts the old Cleveland Sports Show. The, um, of course, the Barbershop, 92.3 The Fans, Saturday mornings, and many other opportunities. Make sure you check all that. Check out Garrett's other work at GBush91. Make sure you're following John, been with PFF forever. Um, by far, you know, always been one of the biggest segments and one of the biggest guests that this show does uh, as we put it under the lens after each and every Browns game at John Costco three, myself, Jeff Lloyd at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, the show at lockdown Browns, follow back account. DMS are open wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you're following, subscribe to the lockdown Browns podcast. Of course, now on YouTube, uh, the growth there continues. We appreciate that mightily. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you got your notifications on. So as soon as the latest content drops, it is there for you. Um, last week of preseason here for the Browns. We'll cover this, obviously, you know, from the top to the bottom up until Saturday night, 730, when the Browns kick it off.
As always, again, thank you everybody for being along for the ride. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.